Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to my dear friend and rock star successful person, Russell Brunson is the founder of ClickFunnels, and I'm really looking forward to what he has to say about this conversation on wealth and happiness. So, Russell, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we finally get to do this. <laughs> I know, I know. We actually had scheduled this for last year, literally the week after Sean passed away. So I was like, look, we need to just reset this and get this on the calendar and get it done. So I totally appreciate you for doing that. One of the first questions that I ask most of my guests is how do you personally define wealth? And I'm specifically interested in your answer because you have said that you don't need more money. Mm. So what is wealth to you? Yeah, it's a good question. It's funny because I think most business owners, entrepreneurs, when we get started, we chase. It, it's funny because like we have a thing, we want freedom or something. So we start chasing money to give us freedom. And then we get the money, but then it like, it like ties us down because now we've got teams and people and customers and it's this weird, this weird thing. And um, it's funny though. I think wealth for me has shifted multiple times in my, in my career, you know? And, um, and so depending on, on the phase I was at, what you asked me have been different, but I think for right now, I feel like wealth for me is, is the ability to not have to worry about stuff, right? Like, like when, when uh, earlier this year, when the coronavirus stuff happened or, you know, things like that, like everyone was freaking out about different things and, and we didn't have to stress about, I mean, we had stresses, right? Everyone had different stresses, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a financial thing. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't anything related to, to money. Like we could solve those problems. I was able to solve those problems for my family. And like, I was texting and calling everyone, that, everyone I love, like, what can you do? And I'm shipping stuff on Amazon and gift boxes and everything, you know, like having the ability to not have to worry about that. And so, you know, there's other things still to worry about, but wealth. I feel like when you're wealthy, you don't have to worry about any of the, any of the things. Somebody told me one time, like, if, you, if, uh, if your problem can be solved by money, then you don't actually have a problem. And like, so that's why I feel like it's, it's like it takes away all those problems um, and gives you the ability to, to focus on, on bigger problems for your customers, for people, but then also for, uh, you know, the, the problems for yourself and your own life and things like that. Yeah, I love that, that quote that I think you're probably referring to from Dan Sullivan about like, if this problem can be solved by writing a check, you don't have a problem, <laughs> which I, I totally, problem yeah. totally appreciate. Now, I would love to get your perspective on some of those different evolutionary aspects from you. You have, I mean, from potato guns <laughs> to what you're doing now, it, it is hilarious to hear your story. So if you could share with the listener just a, a little bit of that evolution that you mentioned. Man, like we go all the way back. I was like 12 or 13 years old. The first time I like learned about business and money and it got me excited. But obviously as a 12 year old kid, you can't do a lot. At least back then they couldn't. Nowadays there's 12 year old kids who are killing it online. But back then it wasn't a lot I could do, but I got interested in it. Uh, and then fast forward, I got into wrestling, became obsessed with that. And then uh, wrestling college, and that's when I met my wife. And I remember it was my, it was my sophomore year in, in college. I was wrestling, met my wife. I fell in love with her and very quickly asked her to marry me. She said, yes, and we we're all excited. And then the question was like, well, how are we going like, to like support ourselves? I was like, well, my parents pay for me right now to live. And I was like, I don't know, maybe they, I wonder if they, they still will. And I messaged my dad. He's like, no, if you get married, like, like you're a man now. You have to figure this out on your own. I was like, uh, good for your dad. <laughs> oh, I hadn't, I hadn't realized that was how it was going to work. And so I talked to my wife and she at the time, Colette was making like $9.50 an hour as a secretary. And I was like, huh. 
how much do like houses, like how much do apartments actually cost? I have no idea. Like I never, you know, it's a whole new world for me. I'm looking it up. I'm like, man, there's no place we can live that her salary will cover just the rent payment, let alone like food for us to eat and all these. And so I was like, oh no, okay. I have to figure out, I just got a way so that we can, we can start this family, be together, like all the things, you know? So for me, that was the first phase of it was like, I've got to, I've got to figure out how to get my, you know, stability so I can, I can support this woman who I love. And I, and you know, all, all those kind of things. And so that was kind of interesting thing for me. It was like, how do I got to, I got to race to figure this out. And at the time I was wrestling, I didn't want to quit wrestling. So I was like, I can't get a job or I have to quit wrestling. So I have to do this like in the in-between times. And that was my initial motivation was that, you know, she was working two jobs when we first got married to kind of support us while I was trying to figure this stuff out. So for me, that was the first phase. And after we, I figured it out, started to make some money. It was like, oh, okay, this is really, really cool. Like now what, like now, like, now I want to make some more money. You know, that's like the next phase, like that excitement of like, okay, I figured out the, the techniques or the tactics to do it. And so then I started doing, doing more of that, you know, and so I started creating more products and ideas and things and selling them. And, and I got in that phase for a while, which was really fun. But then I started getting like the overwhelm. And so then I started hiring employees and then started getting people to, to help. And then it was weird. I started, I started like, I started like loving that part, like, like hiring a team and having them part of this vision and seeing them grow and seeing them succeed. And it was like, that became more fun for me. It was like, it was less like about me making money, my, my own, like me training this team, getting them excited and like seeing the light in their eyes light up. And that was the next phase for me. And then I think the next phase after that was when, um, and it took me a while to get here, unfortunately, but like when I started seeing our customers have success, what we talked, like what we were teaching, what we were selling, like that's the thing that, that for me personally lit me on fire more than anything else. In fact, that's the re- people always ask me, like, Russ, why are you still quick phones? Why are you still doing this? Why are you like, this is ridiculous. You should just take a nap. Like you look so tired all the time. And I'm like, but it's so fulfilling. It's so exciting. Like I see people who have come through and either they read a book or they use the software or something. And then you see like the ripple effect of what they can do. It's funny. My, um, my wife just signed up for Kaylin Poland's lady boss weight loss challenge today. And Kaylin and Brandon are, uh, you know, newlywed couple came into our world and kind of started learning this stuff. And, and I've watched now that, that uh, in the last like three years, they've helped like 1.3 million women now to lose weight and to change their, their life and their transformation. And today my wife downloaded their program to start going through. I was like, I was walking out the door kind of laughing, like this is so like full circle, but I'm looking at like, like Kaylin was one entrepreneur who we, we were able to help. And obviously they're amazing people. Like we were just a little, we, we had the option to help them a little bit on their, their journey. But now I see like that one person, we were able to touch them and they help now 1.3 million women. You know, and then there's another entrepreneurial help. And then you watch, start watching all these people's lives change. And I don't know, that, that feeling, that like, whatever that is, like that, that's the thing that keeps me going, lights me up. And so that's really where, you know, so much of, for me and for our team, is just like, man, if we can get our message out to more people, like what else can happen? Like how many more people's lives can change if we can just push a little harder and, and dig a little bit deeper. So that's where a lot of it comes from now. That's awesome. And Russell, you're a pretty enthusiastic guy. So I'm curious about your answer to this next question. When are you most happy? Oh, interesting. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think for me, I, I think it's probably true for all people. Like I was, I was reading about Olympic athletes recently where like they win the gold medal and then they go into depression right afterwards. But like the process leading up to it, I don't know, like for me, it's, it's crazy because in the middle of it, it's always stressful and you're tired and you're like, oh, this is horrible. And there's so many things happening and it's like all that lead up time to the thing that's, you know, like we're publishing the book, we're doing the event or whatever the thing is, you know, and then you do it and, and you're like, oh, that, it's over. Like that was interesting. And it's like, it's looking back on, in fact, I, I, um, 
I don't even know who said this. I heard somebody say one time that like happiness doesn't come in doing the thing. It comes in the memory of the thing. A good example. I, I became obsessed with Google photos uh, like six months ago and every picture that's ever I can find I've scanned, I put in Google photos I've categorized. It's, it's really fun. And the other day I was looking with my wife, just like we're trying to find funny pictures just to cheer us up. We found this picture of Nora. She's my, she's my little, uh, she's five years old now, but she was like two at the time and she's laying we're on a cruise ship and she's wrapped in a towel. Her hair is all wet. She's a little pigtails, big little smile on her face. And we're looking at this picture and we start laughing. We're like, oh, that was like the best, like that was the best memory ever. And they're like, wait a minute. And I was like, do you actually remember like that experience? And we're like, what, what happened? And we're like, it was four o'clock in the morning. It was the third time she puked on us in bed that night where we'd call Disney staff to come into our cruise room, clean off the sheets, clean up everything, put in the bathtub. Like our clothes were covered in puke, our things. We changed it back in bed. She's sick. So she's holding, she pukes again. It was after the third time her puking, we got out of the bathtub and we're just like wanting to die. And we look at her and she's got the biggest smile on her face. And that's where I caught the picture. And I was like, that, that moment was miserable. Like it was the worst ever. But like the memory of that thing brought us so much happiness. And I think it's so true in so many parts of our life where we're doing the thing that's so hard and it's like when it's over, it's like looking back and being like, like the memory of it's the, the best part. And so I've been trying to be more conscious now is like, we're going through like the horrible parts of things to take pictures of everything. It drives my kids crazy, it drives like half my team crazy, but we're trying to document it all because like looking back is so much fun. Like looking back at the pictures when we were launching ClickFunnels and we were, we literally like my company had gone almost through bankruptcy. We're in this little tiny office. We're trying to figure out how to like eat, how to stay alive. And in the, like the ashes is where ClickFunnels was born. Right. And the man, and I remember being so stressed and so miserable. And so like all the things then looking back, it's like, that was the coolest experience. Like I can ever dream of. Like it was, it was so great. And so I don't know, like for me, it's, it's that part of it is like, is, is looking back. Like, in fact, this last week of my kids, we literally, um, I like go grab one of them at a time and I'll sit down and in Google photos, you can type in someone's name and it finds every picture in photos that, of that person. So we'll do every video and we'll sit down for like hours with each kid and just like look at pictures and videos and laugh about like when they were little kids and like, ah, oh, like that's the, that's the best part. So, yeah. That's awesome. Sean used to have a mentor that said, choose the option that will create the better memory. And I like oh, that. It's almost like oh, pre-framing pre that to create the better memory so that you have that joy looking back. So that's awesome. Uh, you and I have both spent time in East Africa and I wanted to ask you about that, just your experiences over there, the impact that you're able to have and how that contributes to or doesn't your happiness and just how you think about money, because that in Kenya is a place where oftentimes places you and I have been, they don't have a lot of money, but there's often a ton of joy. So tell me a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, we've been now I think three or four times. We're supposed to take our kids back this year for the first time, which ended up happening. It got canceled. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. I remember um, the very first ship going out there. I remember when we first landed there and you go out there and you get these little cars, you know, and you drive out to the, to the IDP camps and the villages and you see like this poverty and you see stuff that like, I remember the first time we, we walked out of the van and we walked towards these kids and they're running towards us and hugging. And I remember this, this car drove up in front of us and it had a whole bunch of corn in the back of this truck and the guy just like dumped it off. We saw these kids over there fighting and like, trying to get this corn they could run home to eat. And uh, I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. I look back at my wife, Colette, and she is just bawling her face, like, just like, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember that night, the impression I got at first was just like, how in the world are we so lucky? Like, what did we do to deserve like this thing and, and money and like all these opportunities, all this stuff, you know? I remember that was kind of the feeling for the first probably couple of days. And then we went to this one camp and we started, um, you know, we set up camp there and uh, we were helping build schools and like playing with the kids and it's just, 
it was so great. And I remember watching this group of like, I don't know, 50 little kids out there and they had a stick and they had like this bent tire and these kids were running around like hitting the, the tire, trying to like knock it over or trying to keep it up and like knocking it and running around. And we're out there. I was playing with them for hours, like to the point where like, I wanted to pass out. I was so tired, but I was like <laughs> having so much, you know how it is. It's just so much fun playing yeah. with these kids and stuff. And we're going to bed, to bed that night. And I was like, we like those kids, a group of like, I don't know, hundred kids were entertained for like eight hours with a stick and a thing. And they were so happy and so grateful for that thing. And I started thinking, I was like, man, what did they do to be so blessed to be in a spot like this where they're not surrounded by the commotions of the world and the problems and the depression and the, like all this stuff that like, my kids are struggling with now, you know? And I was like, man, like, like maybe they're the ones that are lucky in that, you know what I mean? Like, and, and to be able to come and see a little glimpse of that um, was such a huge thing. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's, it definitely made a huge perspective change on me. One day we had a chance to go to uh, this little, it was Mama Tunes was an orphanage. And uh, Mama Tunes is someone who she, uh, she had, someone like dropped a baby off on her doorstep and she took it in. And the room got out like, Mama Tunes is taking babies. And within like six months, she had a hundred kids at her house that she's now taking care of and helping. And, and it was just, it was crazy. And so we show up there and amazing lady who's just serving the best she can. But she has no money, no resources. So we're, we came in and we were paying, I can't remember. I think I feel like it was a, it was like $12, $12. Anyway, something, it was like, it was like a, a couple bucks a month fed a kid for the entire year. It was, it was great. And so we donate like 30 bucks maybe and it would feed the kid, it feed a kid for the year. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, like here's as much money as we could. And you see these kids who are eating and then like they're trying to share the food with you. And you're just like, like, no, like, please don't like, like, uh, and I don't know, it just, it changes you at a different level where, where when you leave that, you can't, you can't be the same. You know what I mean? As you know, you, you, you've experienced all that and you come back and it's just like, man, I realize now what, what money can do and how, how it can, how it can help people at such a huge scale. It's funny because you know, social media, people are just, no matter what's happening, they, they want to find a way to be negative. And I remember when I got back from Kenya the first time, people were like, why would you put your money over there? Like you can, you can, you know, there's people here in your own country, they're, they're struggling and hard. I'm like, yeah, and we do stuff for them too, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be helping these people too. And like, and our, the, our ability to help them goes so much further. Like a, a thousand bucks in Kenya will feed a village. You know what I mean? Whereas here in America, like it buys, you know, hardly not much. <laughs> yeah, it, it runs out really, really quickly. And so when you see how much, how, how far your, your dollars can go and your, and your effort can go, it, it can really change you. It makes it a big, a big force in what you do. So when, like when we started ClickFunnels, Stu McLaren and his wife, Amy, the ones who, who own the charity that, that, we, uh, that we go through, Village Impact. And uh, we set up a thing where um, every time somebody created a funnel inside of ClickFunnels went live, we were going to donate a dollar to Village Impact. Oh, and nice. at, first, at first, we're like, oh, maybe that's like 10 grand a year. I don't know. And now it's like the checks are like $350,000 a year. <laughs> we're like, oh, man. But we set that up initially inside of like the, just the, the DNA of ClickFunnels. Like this is something we're going to do and we're going to keep doing it. And it's just been such a huge blessing and, you know, going back and seeing the kids and seeing, you know, now we've had a chance to go back multiple times. You see, you go back to the same villages you're in earlier and you see the development and like how people have changed over the years. In fact, um, the very first trip we went on, we met this little girl named Jane, who was probably 14, 15 years old at the time. And Clet and her uh, just really connected. And um, anyway, we ended up helping her get to, to high school and the college. And she just had, uh, she's had her first baby. And uh, she named the baby after Colette. Like the baby's middle name is Colette, which is like the cutest thing ever. That and is so, adorable. <laughs> so like this morning, Colette showed me pictures of, of baby, uh, baby Colette. And uh, it's just, anyway, it's just so cool to see, yeah, like the impact and the change you can have on, on these little communities by, by doing almost nothing. It's really crazy. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I've recently in the last year or so had two of the kids that I sponsored years and years and years ago reach out to me through Facebook. And they're like adults now and have kids and they're showing me photo. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's cool. So cool. Oh, so I love that. And you know, to that point about why aren't you helping people in your own backyard? I think you got to go where your heart calls you. You can't help every single person on the planet. So like go with your heart. And there are plenty of people that have the heart for their own backyard here in the US. And, you know, as you said, you're also doing stuff to help them. So like, all good on that. So I have this framework question that I ask every guest. It's called HERB, H-E-R-B. H stands for habits. So I'd love to hear what are some of your habits that just allow you to get all the stuff done that you do in a day. You know, you've got a lot of kids and a lot of work. So like, what are your habits that keep that running? Yeah, um, it's funny because I'm, I'm in a time of redefinition right now with my habits. It's just kind of an, an interesting time. So I'm like, like, how do I shift these now to like now that... My, my, my outcomes at the end have changed, you know, throughout my life. And I'm in a spot now where I have new outcomes. So like I'm trying to shift the habits to match those. But for me, a lot of it's just like, like, what do I want to feel? Right. And so I know that like when I'm, when I'm eating what I want to eat, like ice cream and donuts and sushi every night, like I don't feel good. Like I feel good in the moment and I just feel miserable afterwards. And so I know that I know myself, like I, if I'm not careful, I, I have weight problems really, really fast. And part of it's because I spent 15 years of my life as a wrestler where I would lose 30 pounds every single week for weigh-ins and start back over. And like, so I have this vicious, vicious cycle. And like, if I'm not careful, I, I gain weight really, really quickly. So one habit, for example, is uh, all my meals are made for me. And so I have a lady who, and this is my, for those watching the video, this is my meal. And this is what I get to eat today. And so I send her my macros and she knows exactly what they are. And if, if my diet shifts, like she knows what they are. And then my food's brought every week. And then I only eat that. Like if it's a thing, I eat it. If it's not, I don't eat it because I'll balloon up overnight. Like it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, that's a, that's a big habit that, that I have. I have trainers that come to my house three days a week that we know it's going to be there. Like, I know I can't sleep in cause he's going to be there and it's going to be awkward like in the morning. So I just, I know that there's somebody that's going to be there. Right. And, uh, it's just kind of, it's, it's finding those things and like, and blocking it out. So they have to happen. Um, it's too easy for me. And I'm sure it's true for most people. It's like so easy to, to not, to not do the thing. I think the next big part that's been really helpful is, uh, I surround myself with insanely talented people in all the different areas of my life, right? It's like my wife runs our home. I've got, you know, assistant Melanie who runs my, my life. I've got people that run uh, different parts of the company. And I think, you know, a lot of times people are like, man, Russell, how do you get all this stuff done? And I, and I do work hard, but it's like, I also have amazing people. So it's like, we want to run a live event. I open up Voxer. I, there's three or four people that do our live events. I put them in a group. I brained up my, my vision to them and then they can go run and they can do it. You nice. know, and if you look at, if you look at like leadership or, or just how you work with people, like, in my mind, there's like, there's, there's three levels. There's like strategic thinkers, there's managers and there's doers. It's like, I'm, I'm very much a strategic thinker. So I try to play that level and I bring my managers together. I explain to them what they need to do and they take it and they go with all the workers and get the, get the thing done. And so I can move really, really quickly because of that. So I have habits with these people where I know like, okay, I'm meeting with you here. I'm meeting with you here. This is what, when you're going to get the, the download for me. And then you got to run with it as fast as you can. And, and just setting up my, my life, and my calendar that way. So that when I'm spending an hour here or 30 minutes here, it's not just 30 minutes of my time. It, it gets amplified to 500 hours worth of actual output um, on the backside of it. That's awesome. So moving to E, E stands for environment. What do you allow into your environment or not allow into your environment that just allows you to function at such a high level? That's, that's uh, interesting. So I, I have basically like two primary environments that I, that I live in, which is my home and then my office, which are both very, very close to each other. Uh, I'm very much like I, I thrive off of energy and people energy and 
And um, there have been so many times where the people have been in the office and we have a couple other offices or things like that where I'm just like, when I come in the office, like, I don't, I feel awkward. I feel because of that, per, like, that's the person They do great work, but I, I cannot have them in this office here. And we'll literally make them go at home or like remove them or whatever. Cause it's like, there's so many things that, and I feel horrible about that. But like, if I can't come in and just be myself, then it puts constraints on it, and everything just suffers and, and all those kind of things, you know, it's same thing in, in our home. It's like when we, we structure the environment in, in certain ways. Like we know with our kids, again, they left to their own devices, they're going to eat ice cream and donuts all day. <laughs> That's the thing, right? And so it's like, like father. <laughs> yeah, just like their dad. So um, we've got my, um, uh, my wife has a, has a house manager. So we, every day she chops up healthy food and like lays it out everywhere. Like just their stuff everywhere. So then the kids just grab that as opposed to like searching for something else, you know? So there's always a veggie tray and a fruit tray and things like that that are, that are, that are around us because you're going to default to whatever's the, the simplest. And so it's trying to get the people around us to, to create those things as much as possible. It comes down to like the food, right? Like, like I'm going to go to whatever's the simplest. It's like, Oh, there, that's the simplest. I'm going to go right directly to that. Cause it's the most simple and just trying to like organize everything around me and that to make it simple. Just like this office, for example, it's like, this is my office, but it's also behind me. There's a TV with a thing and there's cameras around the wall. Cause if I want to film something, I click a button and I'm filming cause it's easy. I don't have to like, stressed out about you know all the stuff just like the things are in place to make it simple to just to do the th do the work i need to do like a good example is when i launched my podcast back in the day i was like i knew that if i was gonna do a podcast that if i had to do an interview show and had microphones all these things like i knew the stress of it would make it so i never actually did it and so i for my podcast i've been doing now for like probably seven or eight years now i literally just uh i do what i'm driving i have a phone in my hand i click record my phone i just drive like this because i knew that that would be a spot that I'm in every single day. It's consistent. It's easy. It's going to actually happen. There's no, nothing can keep me from doing it. I just have to, every time I drive, I can click record and just drive while I talk. And so that, that's how I launched my podcast, which I've been doing now, like I said, for, for a long time. And so it's just figuring out ways to make the, the things simple to do and then hide the things that, you know, there's not candy close to me because I would just default to it. Like it's all <laughs> environmentally hidden. So I can't get to it. <laughs> I like that. There's a lot of planned inevitability in this for you to like be healthy, have things simple. <laughs> so that's, that's really good. So moving on to the R, the R stands for resources and resources can be books, programs, courses, software <laughs> for you. But what, what resources have impacted you in your own evolution of, wealth of happiness of life and which one specifically would you recommend to others i know there's probably a million but if you could list like two or three that'd be awesome oh there's so many good things i know this could be a whole like thing. yeah um so some of the some of the things that i again I, I try to simplify my whole life and put it on on my phone and so i buy a lot of books i buy a lot of courses like when i buy a course that has like 25 cds or dvds i ship it directly to my brother who then rips it all puts an audiobook and it's on my phone so I have probably, I would say conservatively 800 or more courses for everything I want, like personal development, relationships, uh, health, fitness, like everything I want, the, the, the most expensive course, the small, whatever course I buy it, put it on there. I have Audible, I have my books, like everything's on here. And, um, and I do because like, I'm very much like I'm a feeling guy. So like, I don't know what I want to listen to today, what I want to study, but it's like in, in the moment I want to make sure it's not like, oh, there's only one book you can read because that's the book you download. It's like, I want to know that like in the moment, like I'm really excited about biohacking this moment or I want to like I want to learn about like eating healthy fats like okay I got three courses on that which one should I dive I want to have it there in my fingertips so like when I feel like that's what I want that's the better I used to drive my wife crazy we go on an airplane flight and I was like I don't know she's like just grab a book I'm like well I don't know a book I'm going to be in the mood for so I would bring a separate backpack I'd bring conservatively like 15 plus books in my backpack just because I want to have the right one when I'm in the mood and it drives her nuts 
And so now I try to same way. The same thing. Yes, I'm not weird. So <laughs> I now not weird. <laughs> so I have it all in here. So it's just like they're there. I have access to them really, really quick. The next thing that um, uh, this is an app that I just learned about in the last week that I'm obsessed with. It's called Workflowy. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. It's like an endless document. So it's like bullet points and then bullet points and you make bullet points. But then each bullet point you click on it, it can become its own page with its own bullets and then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And then what's cool is you can share a bullet point, which is a page with somebody else. And so right now, like I literally have like in workflow, I have a bullet that's like, that's like uh, my courses inside that or um, content development. I have like courses, YouTube videos, podcasts, and I have like all those and inside podcasts. It's like, okay, here's the, here's the, the next five episodes. And then what's cool is like, like you go deeper and deeper and deeper. But then if there's like, like I need like say YouTube video, like I don't know what to make a YouTube video on. So I can share that, that, that bullet with the guy that's YouTube on my side that he can log in. He only sees the YouTube bullet and he can add in like video number one, here's the headline, here's the keyword and he can brain up and then video two, video three and he can flush it out. And then I have it right there for me to do. And um, like my next book, like I started writing my next book and I outlined the whole entire thing inside of Workflowy. And then Workflow is there's an app on your phone that's on your computer. So anywhere I go, I can like be brainstorming and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And like what's cool about this new book is there's a whole bunch of interviews I'm doing with people for the book. So I can give somebody like their chapter, like here's the bullet point of your chapter, go fill in the blanks and they can dive in and like fill out the workflowy. Anyway, it's, it's like the most simple dumb app in the world that you can ask any of my team here that I, I made every of my team start using it and I'm obsessed <laughs> with it because it like makes the organization of my brain and life so much simpler than anything I've ever used in the past. I am going to go look it up after this interview. So that moves us over to the B. The B stands for beliefs. And I have shared this with you before. I am always super impressed and really proud of you as a friend for being so solid in your beliefs. What are some of those beliefs that just create your worldview and have also helped to create the man that you are? Oh man. Um, oh man. I know. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, it's funny cause I beliefs are such a, a, an interesting thing. You know what I mean? Like I think a lot of people have strong beliefs and things. A lot of times they're scared to share them or if people have opposite beliefs in them, then they feel like they have to attack them or, and it's like, that's why like social media is so nuts right now. And it's going to keep getting worse and worse because of that. Right. And it's like, uh, I, I definitely have strong beliefs in what I believe and I, and I don't waver in those things. Like I, I'm very big in like, if I have a question about something, like I will, I will pray until I get an answer. When I get that answer, like that is the answer. And like that belief won't shift. Like it's, it's now I've gotten the answer from someone higher than me. Like I believe it. And it's, it's now like a true, and that's like an absolute truth for me. So it doesn't shift. Right. But just because like, I believe this doesn't mean I can't be friends with you and you believe something completely different. I can't, and I can completely respect your thing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Like, and I think that's what people struggle with so much. It's like, like, no, this is what I believe. Therefore you like, ever, and it just causes this chaos and this thing. And like, and I think it's so much better when you're just like, this is what I believe and why I believe it. And like putting it out there and not being afraid to put it out there either. I think a lot of people are just so scared where I'm pretty blunt. Like I talk about, you know, on my Instagram profile, I talk about Christ. I talk about, I talk about the book of Mormon. I talk about things I believe in. Like I, I'm not, I don't hide those things, but I also don't do it in a way where it's like divisive, right? Like um, I had somebody message me the other day, like, how in the world are you able to post on your social media about these things and it doesn't turn into like bloodbaths or brawls or anything. And it's like, because I don't post it in a way of like, if you don't believe this, you're going to hell. I just say like, this is what I believe and why I believe it. And, and it's something that I'm passionate about. And like, and I just, and I don't put, I don't put those things on other people. Like uh, I respect other people's beliefs so much that I don't want to, like I would, I would hate if someone tried to take away my belief. In fact, there's a, there's a, we call it an article of faith in, uh, in, in my faith. That, and uh, one of the articles of faith is, 
Um, we claim, it said, we claim the, the privilege of worshiping Almighty God and allow, uh, according to the dictates of our own conscience, we allow all men the same privilege, let them worship how, where, or what they may. And I'm such a big believer in that. Like, like, like I'm going to be me and you can be you. And, and maybe there's some values of mine that you like or vice versa. And like, we can all, we can all help each other. And so, I don't know. I just wish more people were, would, would be willing to share their beliefs. A lot of times we hide, we're scared and we'll attack, but we're not willing just to share what we believe and why. And being okay with the fact that people we love may not believe what we believe. And it's, it's completely okay. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you know what? I can vouch for that with you because you and I have had a, multiple conversations about conversion, but it's mm-hmm. never been about religion. It's only been about software. <laughs> <laughs> you are always trying to convert me in terms of software, but it's okay. You're we'll still willing to, we'll get you. <laughs> yeah, to let me believe what I believe even about software. So I appreciate you know what's crazy? that. Like this, this is a good example because you use Entreport. I obviously use ClickFunnels. And <laughs> when, all, when all said and done, like people, I get people, in fact, inside of our community, like, or inside of our company is the hardest. I'll get employees who are like, oh, so-and-so is using whatever. And they get angry that, that someone in our space is using something besides ClickFunnels. Or they're using, you know, a tool they could use, you know, whatever. And I was like, look, like our mission is not to try to get everybody in the world to use ClickFunnels. Like that's never been the mission of ClickFunnels. Like our mission is to help change the lives of the people we've been called to serve and giving entrepreneurs tools and things to make that job more simple. Like that's our mission. And so if they find it more simple to use entrepreneur for this function versus this, like I don't really care. Like all that I really care when all said and done is that the people you've been called to serve, you have a chance to serve them and change their lives. And hopefully like the tools and the resources we create will make that easier. But if you don't use mine, like I'm the least offended of, of anybody <laughs> on my team. I promise you there are people on my team who will be offended, but I could not care less as long as you're getting your message out and you're, you're doing what you're called to, to do. That's the biggest thing for me. <laughs> yeah. And to that point, you know, I've shared with you that I've used your books as basically textbooks for my team, you know, helping them learn how to do this better, even if it's a different software. So speaking of books, I want you to talk a little bit about your newest book, Traffic Secrets. I have read all the books that you've put out. I'm always a big fan. So talk a little bit about this new one. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for, for mentioning it. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because like I even this day I don't consider myself an author. Um, this never was the thing I was going to do. It's just it was like a tool I needed to like make this process more simple for people. Like we first launched ClickFunnels, I was like, here's the gift, my gift to the world, and and nobody got it. And I was like, you guys, do you understand what I just gave you? Like this is amazing. And and people are like, I don't, I don't get it. So I'm like, okay. I, so we wrote the dot com secrets book to help people understand like sales funnels. And then as soon as people got the book, they're like, oh cool. And then they started using software. And then it was funny because I was like watching it was like okay, people are using software, but like a lot of people are making these funnels, but they're not <laughs> making money with it. like, what are they not understanding? It's like, oh, they don't understand like the, the art of funnels. Like how do you tell your story? How do you move someone from page one to page two? And how do you, how do you get someone to want to give you money? And so that's when the second book came. It's like, okay, I need to help everybody understand this part of the process. And so that's when Expert Secrets came out. And then over the last, man, two years or so, um, the, the next thing was just like, the, the, the only reason why people are struggling with funnels right now is they can't get traffic. They can't get people in or maybe they, they were for a while using Facebook ads to get shut down or whatever. That kind of started the, the third book, uh, which is Traffic Secrets. But it's written, it's written in a way, it's different than, than most traffic books. Like most traffic books are like, let me show you how to run Facebook ads. Let me show you how to use Google ads or whatever. I was like, I don't feel like that's the best way to serve our people. Like, you know, entrepreneurs and, and, and business owners and people that are, that are trying to get their message out. Like it's helping them understand the core strategies. Because like, I don't know, I, I'm assuming, do you run your own Facebook ads? Like I don't run mine. I don't even know how to do it, right? Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I wrote a book on traffic because I do understand the core principles. Like before we had Facebook, before there was Google, like we still, like I got started now, I think I'm on my 
17th or 18th year in this business now. And back then we had to get traffic differently. So how do we do it? And how do we think about things differently? And I wanted to bring those concepts in people's minds because if your business is relying on Facebook ads or relying on Instagram or YouTube, that may be working for a while, but it's building your, your foundation on a really, a really sandy, or building on a really sandy foundation. Like it's not, like I've been through the cycle so many times where like, you know, you're successful with the, with the, with the thing and then Google slaps you and the whole business collapses. I've seen so many people that happen to. Right now I've seen so many people whose Facebook ads are getting shut down. And so this book is to teach people like strategically how to build traffic in a way that even if Mark Zuckerberg shuts you down, even if you can't get uh, an ad approved, you can still get tons of traffic by just understanding how traffic works a little bit differently. And so that's what this book's about. And um, it's been fun. It's been out there now. Anyway, I'm, pr I'm proud of it. You're not really good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, to your point, I was really impressed with that is that you do talk about evergreen aspects of this, not just what's working right this second with this specific software. It's like, these are the overarching principles, which I find really, really helpful. So if people are interested in getting that book or just learning more about you in general, where would you like to send them to? Yeah. If you guys want to get a copy of the book, if you go to trafficsecrets.com, um, there is where we've got the book. And if you want to tap into what I do, um, you know, clickfunnels.com obviously is our software company. And then marketingsecrets.com is kind of my podcast and blog and everything like that. You want to plug into all the other things that I'm talking about and, and teaching about all the time as well. <laughs> awesome. Russell is also going to be a part of the Lucrative Speaker Summit coming up this summer in August. So you can check that out and learn more from him specifically on his speaking aspect of what he has been putting together. That is at lucrativespeaker.com. Russell, I just want to thank you so much, not only for your, your time and your wisdom today, but also for your friendship. You have been just super helpful and super real since Sean passed away. And I always appreciate your, your generosity with Sean, with me just in, in life. Thanks so much for this time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so much fun to actually hang out with you. We haven't talked forever, so I appreciate this. And uh, thanks for setting it up and let me be here with you. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes. And please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of The Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heart set. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah. See, we're not as introverted as people think we are. We're good at talking as long as there's a screen between us all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my house by myself. <laughs> <laughs>